Aha. Hey. All right. Oh, that's so nice. Oh, time travel is weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's almost it exactly what Harry Potter says. <laughs> it wasn't my dad who saved me. It was me. Patronus. It was me, Hermione. <laughs> oh, this is nice, though. I like this. It is sweet. Welcome back to New Rockstars. Ms. Marvel Episode 5 takes the already thinly defined time travel logic of the Ooh. MCU after Avengers Endgame and Loki and shatters it into a beautiful trail of stars. <laughs> but... Who's been saving her Onani? It's been Kamala all along. <laughs> this is Inside Marvel. It's New Rockstar's official Ms. Marvel after show. My Easter egg breakdown for this episode is coming tomorrow. Right now, I'm Eric Voss, and I am here discussing this episode with MT. Hey, 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 man. It was so cool going back in time and then seeing the whole Trail of Stars moment. I really liked that and like, it, 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 like, is it implied that like the actual trail of stars is actually Aisha? Like, is she like the stars itself? Because like when when um when her husband saw it, she was like, is, "Is that Aisha?" I don't know. It was just very interesting. But like, yeah, I love the whole flashback sequence. My thinking it was that like the uh, the disc that she made disintegrated, and mm -hmm. then uh, Sana was able to hold on to it, or Aisha. Right. So, like, it wasn't just Kamala making the trail of stars, although she was taking credit for it in that moment. She was like, it was me, no <laughs> one else. I didn't have I. any, I, I didn't, I'm not sharing the credit with anyone. I right. did this alone. Only I could fix the past and allow for my own existence. No, I think like it was, it was a mixture of an accident, the, the, whatever, the hard light, the Nord disintegrating, maybe right. Aisha and Sana, some mixture. I, I like to think like all generation of uh, con women are, are playing a part in, right. in helping each other out. The, yeah. To me, thematically, that's the most beautiful way to interpret it. Like they're all yes. just kind of saving each other. They're all looking out for each other. I do like Family, that. Uh, I think logically, this is, a, this is a familiar thing. This whole idea of going back in time to save yourself. This idea of a closed loop, predestined time travel. I saw a lot of people saying like, we've never seen this before. This is a completely new version of time travel. It's like, <laughs> maybe if you've only watched Avengers Endgame, and if so, only the first two thirds of it. But this whole idea of uh, predestined time travel is actually, I think, becoming the most common form of time travel fiction. Uh, but this is one of the sweeter versions I yes, think I've seen. I did it. love how they handled it. And I think that's a credit to the writing on this show and the focus on uh, Kamala's relationship with her mother and her mother's relationship with her mother and that mother's relationship with her mother. I think that is uh, one of the purest, most wholesome parts of the show. And, and uh, despite like any kind of weird uh, tonal shifts as it has moved, as the show has moved from Jersey City to Karachi, uh, I think it has lost a bit of something. Uh, I really loved those first two episodes is how much we learned about Jersey City and the community of Jersey City. Uh, and I, I think there has been, I don't know how, how to describe it. I, I just kind of miss that part of the world. I miss seeing Kamala with Bruno. I, there's just, I, I'm excited to go back there, I assume for the finale. But despite all that, one thing that has stayed really great is the, the deeper we've gone into Kamala and her mother and, uh, right. and Muniba's relationship with Sana. I think that's just been really sweet. Um, I, I do think a lot of it was kind of healed by the end of last episode. I don't know how much more healing we needed this episode, but whatever, <laughs> whatever. Like, I don't mind redundancy as long as what we're getting a double dipping of is something sweet and wholesome. 
Right. No, I, I really love the whole family ties of this series. And, like, I, I, I really want to see um, Kamala's grandmother use the bangle in episode six. Like, I just want to see... I want to see all of them use the bangle. Like, I want to see what her mom's powers look like. Because, like, I know that she has, like, that potential in her, probably. So, like, I, yeah, I sort of want to see, like, a, a turning red type of moment where, like, it's like, yeah, uh-huh. we've all got a type of power. Like, that'd be really fun. Yeah. Do you think we're going to get a moment, like, where they... Uh what's it called the annexation of puerto rico a maneuver from uh the little giants where they just keep passing the bangle from each other to <laughs> from person to person and then each generation of, of con woman uses the exactly. bangle to blast somebody That's until it I goes want. back onto the ghost of aisha <laughs> she's like it's my turn Whoa. now <laughs> I'm still stabbed in ghost form. Oh, that's really sad. But anyway, yeah, it's quite <laughs> and sad. And it still hurts. <laughs> but I'm back, and they're like, oh, we got to hang out with a ghost now. Right. <laughs> a ghost grandma. Oh, man. All right, let's quickly recap what happened this episode. This episode takes us back to pre-partition India, um, and it shows us how Aisha met Kamala's grandfather, Hassan, mm. by fleeing the British soldiers with the bangle and then uh, sleeping in his rose garden. Now, we got to say... Aisha kind of goes from bad to good. She has a bit of a smile on her face when she stabs that British soldier. Now, I'm not saying the British occupiers didn't deserve a bit of a, you know, that kind of treatment, but she's just enjoying it a little bit too much, I think. Um, (laughs) She was like, I liked doing this. (laughs) But then she tramples on Hassan's roses. uh, Mm, and, uh, And she stays out there. And then she gets to know him. He takes her inside. He recites a poem by a, uh, I believe it was a 13th century Persian poet, Rumi. Mm. And then she got instantly pregnant after that poem. <laughs> oh, for sure. Immediately she's like, uh, don't even finish giving your babies, please. <laughs> Gentlemen, poetry, guys. I know Do it sounds it. like a cliche, but reciting poetry, uh, that's all it really takes. Mm-hmm. That's all it takes. I mean, sometimes that poetry can just simply be uh, a, a dashboard confessional lyric. Really, exactly. Girl. It always <laughs> it always works every time. That's what I that's why I use it. It, it works. Um, it works every uh-huh. time. Haven't been late uh-huh. in two years. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> hey, you're just. Hey, she's out there, MT. She's waiting. What are she's these? Waiting. Three? I'm sorry. Continue. I'm <laughs> I don't know how I can. I think this is the episode now. <laughs> Dashboard confessionals always failing me. This is anyway. not inside MT. This or this is inside MT. Yes. Now it is inside MT. Welcome We're just talking to about inside you, man. MT. Someone's got to go. So, never mind. That's, that sounds weird. Don't say that. Don't, don't put that in. <laughs> anyway. Um, Okay, so as the partition begins, Muslims in this community are especially screwed. They're forced to leave their homes. uh, And Najma tracks Aisha down. Uh, She just wants a bangle. She's like, Mm. "Uh uh-huh, I don't care where you hit it. You have until sunset tomorrow, and then I will kill you and your family. (laughs) Um, And Aisha leads Hassan and Sana just a little too fast to the train station. Mm -hmm. Hassan's like, what's the rush? (laughs) What's going on? I understand we're being forced to leave our homes, but you're running a little too fast. It's not like we had uh, moms with with pitchforks and torches, uh, but she's like, who was that that woman you were talking to in the roses? And also that woman was stepping on my fresh roses. Guys, have your conversations anywhere else other than on my roses, please. If I see her again, I'll kill her myself. The train station's uh, chaotic, and uh, the family gets separated, and it's very sad. Uh, Najma Mm. stabs Aisha, uh, and Mm. then uh, Kamala shows up, 
And we learn it was a Harry Potter Prisoner of Azkaban situation. Hey. Kamala was the one who cast the Norlight to save her grandmother. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the the light disintegrated in a way that wasn't just Kamala. A lot of people were helping yeah. out. Uh, mm-hmm. There was uh, Qui-Gon Jinn set a footprints in the stadium. <laughs> Uh, quite got to the background, like use the full summer. Right. <laughs> yeah, there was a there was another Marty McFly over behind the train. He's like, Dad, how do we help her? Uh, uh, Kyle Reese was uh, trying to protect her. He's like, Am I? I would love if like a bunch of time travelers were just there at that moment. It's like yeah. this is a nexus event for all of us. <laughs> Karachi <Yeah>. Station. <laughs> That's right. Um, so back in the present, uh, the veil of Nor opens, and then Faria, the clandestine. Or should I say blandestine? Ooh. There was someone who tweeted me about this. Uh, there was a couple people who tweeted me about this. I, uh, I'm sorry. This I cannot c- claim credit for blandestine. <laughs> Some other people have recommended the name blandestine, <laughs> and I think it's great. But uh, yeah, they try to pass through it, but she chose poorly. Ooh. And she turns into this uh, chunky statue form before eroding into a skeleton. And I got to say, the, the chunky state did look a bit like a Terrigen mm-hmm. cocoon, if you ask me. I just a think it's an interesting like the choice. Of Shield one too. Yes, I, I don't know if that's that was the intention. It just mm. did look very similar. Kind of sketchy. That. Uh, yeah. Now Najma is ready to do the same, mm. uh, but Kamala's like, "But you're leaving behind Cameron." And Najma's like, "Who?" <laughs> and then uh, she's like, "You have a son, Cameron." And she's like, "I don't, I don't follow. I don't know who that is." It's like, uh, you can just tell. Uh, you can tell Cody that uh, wherever he is, he's fine. Because she was giving Cameron the treatment that Cameron gave Brian, a.k.a. Bruno. Um, but then I guess suddenly she cared about Cameron again. And as she died, she's like, mm, Cameron, you receive my power now. And then her Norlight uh, kind of just zips through the world and finds Cameron, who now has uh, his own Nor big fist. Right. Yes. So he has her power now. Uh, uh, because comics, I, I, but not no. I mean, that's not what happens in the comics at all. Well, yeah, but that, on this that, show, I mean, is, he has his powers like he has in the comics. Yes, so he I mean. does have power. <laughs> yeah, his power is very different than uh, than Kamala Khan's powers. So, but essentially now in this, it's the same thing. Oh yeah, it's it's part of his body. Like he doesn't need the bracelet. Right. Right, right, right. Um, so Muniba uh, gets there pretty quick. She uses the, the magical find my phone. Uh, app. <laughs> I did. I mean, I just love the actress who plays Mooney, but she's like, "Why am I just hearing I, about I, I this?" I did enjoy now? that moment. That was quite funny. <laughs> I thought that was so sweet. Uh, finds her daughter, realizes she is the uh, Jersey City superhero, and the three generations of con women just make their peace. Kamala mm. says goodbye to Kareem, uh, who gives her his red sash. Mm. You really are just seeing her costume uh, piece together from the various relationships oh. she has, and I think yeah. that's so wonderful. Um, um, I, d- I did like that moment when she said goodbye that Kareem was like, the U.S. government might arrest me and I might be in Thunderbolts. Who knows? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. He's like, it depends. And he turns to the camera and says, if you want me to be arrested right. by the U.S. government, call this Vote number. And text. <laughs> Write your letters. Right. Tweet using this hashtag. We need this. I need to keep working. I mean, hey, I think Ramos Knight was great in the show. I wouldn't mind yeah, seeing him again. Yeah, I would love again. to see him a red dagger. Like, I would love to see him a It was just a little thirsty. A little thirsty <laughs> in that moment. Um... So uh, Muniba finds Kamala's necklace. Remember, this is a necklace that had her name written in Urdu, uh, mm. and it's now bent to form the Ms. Yes. Marvel logo, kind of teasing the last component of the costume, probably going to be uh, uh, Muniba stitching something together to put that right yeah. on her outfit. And then um, Kamran seeks some help from Bruno, 
gets his name right finally, uh, realizes he doesn't really get who Nikola Tesla is, but it appreciates the wordplay of Argon. Good for you. Uh, and then a Stark drone appears outside the window. Uh-oh. Chimeron blasts it, uh, but then that drone just says, well, F you, man, and then blows up the entire Circle Q store. Committing domestic terrorism in Jersey City. Destroyed Didn't even hit the floor they were on. Just is like, right? screw your business. I'll hit you where it hurts, your wallet. And that's where we leave this episode. I gotta say, pacing wise, this episode was kind of like, is, that, is there more? That that's it? Like, yeah. I think in general, but we see this pretty much every every Disney Plus show so far. The penultimate episode or episode four. Sometimes it's just kind of like certain episodes, certain storylines get reworked. I, I just think pacing wise, it was fascinating, but also just uh, a little odd. I think to spend so much time with Aisha and Hassan. Mm. Uh, I mean, I look. I'm not going to complain. I think the acting was great. I think the writing so was good. beautiful. It's just this story is about Kamala, and I think it's okay to show her her great grandparents. Uh, it's just we have also been told the story so much. Like this show mm. has, in uh, execution, been so much about the the partition that like we have lost sight a little bit of Kamala's journey. Um, mm. But I don't know. I, I think that's a minor gripe overall. It's just kind yeah. of like a, a preference thing. I just I think part of it was I loved Kamala in Jersey City so much. Me too. That Me like. Too. The more we've moved away from it, I've just missed it. I've just missed it. That's it. But yeah. I, I just feel like um, personally, for me anyway, like the, the the interpersonal connections in Jersey City were a lot more fun to explore than like the friends that she met in Pakistan, which is like, I did love Red Dagger, but like, I just feel like we could have got a, a little bit more like, you know, chemistry between the people that she met, which just felt like, all right, I need to go from here to here. And like, I'm meeting, and like, obviously like it was really quick and she was meeting all these people, but like. I just really would have liked like some really fun like all right I remember this character from Pakistan like I I, I want to feel like I want to go back to like I want Marvel Studios to go back to Pakistan and be like oh yeah I miss all these people that I met in Miss Marvel but like I didn't really feel that way um, but I do yeah. want to see more Red Dagger anyway that's me <laughs> but I think if you're like um, normally in TV shows when they plot out their seasons and their series the right. the Pakistan arc would be something that they do in season two probably. Mm. Uh, but I think, you know, the writers on this show probably felt, well, we don't know if we're going to get a season two of this. This is our right. one chance to really tell everything we want to tell in this story. So let's do it. Let's just put it all in these six episodes. So, yeah. and they may be right. Like a lot of these Disney Plus shows, these Marvel shows are not getting second season. In fact, most of them are not other than Loki and What If, right? So, right. yeah, I think that's just kind of the reality they're working in. And it has led to just some uh, unusual pacing and, and tonal shifts uh on the show but right. overall if, if they do it. get a season two i really hope they go back to pakistan and like really just flesh it out because like I, I really like the look of pakistan i just wish mm -hmm. i just spent more time with the people i guess yeah um all right so the time travel that's what we're yes. going to be talking about this episode how the time travel works did ms marvel did kamala khan break the mcu's time travel logic mm. uh, i don't know about that but uh we'll talk about that in a bit our merch partners still have a limited number right. of ms marvel inspired latest obsession shirts cosmic daydream available at newrockstarsmerch.com it's the best way to support us here at new rockstars and when you get one of these you will unlock the added option to write in a custom shout out that will appear at the bottom of these after shows for example we got william asking what mm. if the hard light is the cocoon that kamala is in and will break out of to reveal her true powers William, you and I were once on the same page and still are. I wish that is the case. I'm just saying, don't hold your breath. <laughs> I don't think that's where this show is going. I think they have uh, 
especially seeing Kamala Khan in that cruise line video, her powers still look like embiggened nor in hard light. It seems like that right. is pretty much what it's going to be. If there's any cocoon scenario, it's going to be like that, that weird Terra Genesis thing that we saw at the end of this episode. Like it just, I feel like they might be setting up Terra Genesis with this story of uh, the nor and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I don't think that like if any cocoon is going to happen, it's going to be that. But like, I don't think that the, the cocoon that's in her bracelet is, is what's going to um, be giving her yeah. powers. Like that. They may they may call it Terra Genesis. They may mm. use that word. I just don't think uh, that theory that I had at the beginning of the season that uh, the the hard light we're seeing as it is is like the cocoon shedding right. away over the course of the episodes. So far, at least, that has not been the case on this show. No. Um, but that's okay. I don't need yeah. my theories to be right. I prefer I mean, like, I, this. This show at the at the very end of the day, the show is, I feel, going to be an origin story for those stretchy powers. And like what we're seeing is like what the components of those stretchy powers are. It's the, it's the cosmic energy underneath those stretchy powers. So when something happens, and I think that it's going to be happening when she gets that second bangle, she's going to have all the energy she needs to like stretch. But that's just my weird theory. <laughs> I mean, I hope so too, MT. I just don't think that's the case. I, I think that uh, I, I don't want to get my hopes up anymore, right. like because you know I've run in, I've run into this with like WandaVision and all these other past shows we've covered, where I've gone to the final episode being like, maybe this time, maybe this time, <laughs> and I don't want to feel that way next right. week. I, I kind of am just like kind of I'm already making peace with the fact that right. the way they're doing Kamala Khan in the MCU is is just this version of Nor, uh, right. and sometimes her fist can get bigger as a result of it or sometimes her limbs can stretch as a result of having this Nord power, but that is, that's just the choice they've gone with. And I think they were hoping that after these six episodes, we'd better appreciate the history of it. Uh, and, and let's just be okay with that. I don't know. I, I think they are, they have missed out. I think that is, uh, I think ultimately I definitely would have preferred Kamala Khan to just have the, the Reed Richards, uh, Scott Lang, like I can embiggen and I can stretch my body parts. Cause I just, I think they had the technology for it. They could have done it, um, but yeah. it's fine. I'm not going to get mad at the show as a result of oh, not yeah, doing no. it. Like, it, um, what we got so far is yeah. really great. Yeah. Uh, the characterization, I think, is made. The characterization, the, the history of the characters, the world that they built, I just think is really beautiful and really cool. Um, uh, let's see. Haley says Kamala needs to meet Carol or Monica this season before the Marvels, please. Now, I think that is a hope you can cling to headed into yes. the finale. I, I would yes. be surprised if neither Brie Larson nor Tiana Paris show up in the finale. I, I, I think there's a good chance we'll see at least one of them. Yeah, like I really, I, I think that, you know, because because we know that when Aman Balani got the call that she was going to be Miss Marvel, she got a call directly from Brie Larson's like, hey, congratulations, like you are part of the Marvel squad. So I feel like Carol mm. is probably going to show up because like this is a show basically after her legacy. So like she's got to show up. Uh, Yeah. And then Mark asks, when are they introducing Blade? Mm. Uh, in a trailer at Comic-Con, hopefully? I don't think it's going to happen on this show. <laughs> I mean, it might happen on this show. I was thinking about this, like, last night. I was like, hey, like, we have, like, all these British soldiers and, like, looking after this, like, bangle. What if, um, what's his face? Black Knight's uncle, like, his whole family, like, was like, has the bracelet. Because, like, they were archaeologists, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know what they did. I forget what a Black Knight's uncle was all about. But, like, uh, he has all these old um, artifacts. I'm like, what if he has the bangle? And, like, because... He's British, and he's like he just has the bangle. Um, anyway, I, I, I like that theory it. that 
I, I I do like that theory that uh, Dane Whitman's uncle has has the other bangle. Yeah, um, and it's, like yeah. what if Blade is just like, all right, I took it from Mr. Whitman, then uh, I have the bangle now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see. I just don't know how much time they're going to make to set up like uh, vampire hunters in the MCU right. on this show. I think that might be something we'll see on uh, on She Hulk, right? Like, because it seems right. like a case of the week kind of thing. I can imagine there being a vampires episode there. DODC arresting some werewolves. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Let's dive into this episode, MT. Yes. What's our question? All right, brother. Did Ms. Marvel break the MCU's time travel logic? Yes, but the MCU's time travel logic was already broken. Good night, everybody. That's the end of the show. <laughs> uh, thank you for watching Inside MT. We learned a lot about what we're all going through. That's okay. We're all just doing our best. In 2023. <laughs> the post credit scene of this episode is just going to be like a voice from the shadow saying, are you sure you're ready for that, MT? You'd be like, Blade! And he's going to be your wingman. Hey, I would love Blade as my wingman, especially Mar Marshall Ali. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> um, so this episode reveals that the legendary Trail of Stars that saved Kamala's grandmother during the partition was actually cast by Kamala herself traveling mm -hmm. back in time through a rift in space-time using her Nor light to cast a disc that broke apart into sparkles that led this toddler back to her father. So how was Kamala's grandmother saved? It was Kamala herself. Hey. As someone who has made several videos analyzing time travel and pop culture on this channel, MTU and I have done a past episode of Big Question talking right. about this. Um, but this is what we have identified as type four, AKA this always happened time travel, also known as predestination or a closed loop. In this type mm. of time travel, mysterious anomalies presented in the story early on uh, from the past are actually justified as future doings of the protagonist going back in time, looping back to cause those anomalies. So this tends to blow the minds of viewers that are less steeped in time travel fiction. Uh, and whenever filmmakers or TV producers whip it out in their stories, they assume that they are the only ones who have ever done it and that we will all be super impressed. And you know what, to their credit, many people are super impressed by it, or at least very emotionally affected because this tends to be the weepier version of time travel. Like, oh, this, this mysterious thing, I've always wondered, it was me all along, or it was some loved one all along, and I didn't actually have to do that much if I had just opened my eyes and saw what was right in front of me the whole time. So there's some sort, there's like a bit of a narrative catharsis that comes with it, but I will say it is now the most common trope in time travel fiction. Yeah. Not all tropes are bad, uh, but it is a trope, and we have to acknowledge that. So Terminator. How is John Connor right. conceived to one day lead the human resistance against the machines while Kyle Reese went back in time to protect Sarah Connor, his mother, but actually fell in love with her and conceived John to begin with, making that a closed loop. Hey. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, the mysterious Patronus that saves Harry and Sirius Black from the Dementors. Oh, it was not cast by Harry's father. It was Harry himself looping back to that moment. Closed mm -hmm. loop. Game of Thrones. Why does Hodor say Hodor? Well, Bran warged through time to a stable boy's mind to make him hold the door in the present, scrambling that person's mind for the rest wow. of their life. Closed loop. Christopher Nolan's Tenet. We thought it was going to be something different. It did try to be fancier about time travel, but it essentially boiling down to a movie where lots of confusing anomalies occur throughout the plot that are later revealed to be future versions of these characters rewinding past them in time. A closed loop. Ryan Johnson's Looper. The Rainmaker becomes a villainous uh, asshole because his future victim tries to go back in time to kill him as a kid. A closed loop. Mm. Netflix series Dark does this. I also like to reference James Mangold, Hugh Jackman, rom-com, Kate and Leopold does this. I know it seems like a rom-com, but it is the guy who ended up making Logan and uh, is going to be making the next Indiana Jones movie, James Mangold. 
uh, and Hugh Jackman, those two first working together the first time without them, we would not have the Wolverine and we would not have Logan. A time travel movie, my friends, was the reason behind all of it. Um, so in all of these stories, everything unfolds upon one fixed timeline. A character's active time travel itself is destined. Uh, and they arguably, and this is where it gets a little confusing, they do not have free will, if you start mm. to think about this too much. Um, and Kamala, <laughs> choosing to time travel to save her own grandmother, was it really a choice? Or was it always destined to happen if Kamala exists to begin with? Right. Because if, she, if her grandmother was not saved, Kamala would not exist. So exactly. it is kind of destined for her to go back in time. It was not an accident. It was not a choice. It was scripted as some car, some kind of like destination plot. Mm. Um, so uh, Avengers Endgame initially sought to define a different form of time travel logic in the MCU. You remember all the arguments that they had about time travel in the first and second act of the movie. Initially, it was going to be what we call type two time travel, a.k.a. branch reality time travel. Mm. This is actually the explanation of time travel posed by theoretical physicists, multiverse philosophers. Uh, this is why the Russo brothers cited it in Endgame. Uh, but uh, this theory poses that if someone were to go back in time, they would not live within history as it unfolded the way Marty McFly does. They would actually create a new branch timeline and an alternate reality. And this seems to be the case in Endgame until the final scene when old Steve Rogers appears by the lake. And the initial implication of that moment was that old Steve was in the MCU the whole time, just in the background, living out his life, doing nothing to prevent JFK's assassination or 9-11 from happening. Um, but he was always there, uh, a kind of form of this always happened time travel. This is what the screenwriters to this day claim they want us to interpret the final scene of, of Endgame as. Uh, but the Russo brothers disagree on that interpretation. They claim that old Steve must have come from an alternate timeline to stay true to the movie's logic leading up to that, which just means that this old man uh, suited up in some kind of quantum suit and is like, beam me down there, Hank Pym, or something, you know, I don't know, wherever he was. <laughs> this old man uh, was sta stable enough and sturdy enough that he could survive some kind of weird uh, parallel timeline. Hey, that's the uh, super soldier suit, brother. Hole. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is, dude. I mean, hey, hey, it keeps you, it keeps you going for years. Um, but I would say in that moment, just that disagreement between the screenwriters and the directors and the fact that many people are still debating that, I think that was really the moment MCU timeline uh, time travel logic was just broken. Uh, mm. And it's okay. Like, obviously, we're all still okay with this. And oh, the great thing about Loki is it just kind of doubled down on the confusing <laughs> interpretations and the uh, unclear understanding of what timelines and time travel is supposed to look like in the MCU, but at least according to the TVA, only certain decisions made by certain individuals cause branch timelines to form, decisions in violation of the arbitrary sacred timeline that was prescribed by he who remains. So it's only like if he has a script for how history and destiny is supposed to go, and if just like certain people go off script, that's what causes branch timelines. And then TVA agents can appear in and out of various points in history. But uh, rather than causing new branch timelines to form, the TVA erase their tracks by detonating a reset charge to erase that branch altogether. History within the sacred timeline is just considered fixed and unchangeable uh, and monitored and maintained by the TVA, predestined. Like uh, apocalyptic events like the destruction of Haven Hills or Lamentis are destined to happen no matter who time travels back to those days before the destruction happens. It happens because that's how he remains wants it to happen. So in some ways, that did ignore Avengers Endgame uh, and set us back in type four. This always happened. The sacred timeline unraveled into a multiverse, one might argue, because that is what he who remains planned to happen. 
You know, we still don't really know fully what Jonathan Major's subtext was in that monologue, but it did seem like he intended on a something happening by the end of that. He For was sure. a little surprised to be going off script, but I think he that was part of his plot. It was 100%. like an inevitability that the multiverse was going to uh, unravel into that spider webby fracturing. Like he he knew that Sylvie wasn't going to take charge of the TVA because like she hated the TVA. She was like, "Hey, just kill me because multiverse is going to be messed up anyway. This is my plan." <laughs> Right. I think that was part of his game is he was presenting the false choice to Sylvie and Loki. So the events of Ms. Marvel are understood to occur within the sacred timeline. Uh, Earth 616. I'm sorry, Iman Vellani. I know you disagree with Kevin Feige that this universe is 616, but it is his call to make, not yours. Loki, the show, even indicated that the main MCU timeline is 616 because the film strip in episode one showed the events of Infinity War and Endgame, the same ones Kamala recapped in episode one of this series. That film strip was labeled 616. Right. So, knowing all this, there are three ways, at least, we can interpret what Kamala just did on the show and how this time travel logic connects to the MCU. First takeaway, this show might just be doing its own thing and the writers and producers don't really give a crap how time travel worked in Endgame or Loki. They just want this to be as thematically impactful as possible with Kamala's family origin story, which is, I think it's totally fine to just kind of like give it a pass on that one. The second interpretation that I think still works logically is that Kamala's bangle might have opened a rift in space time and that that act was an incursion between timelines. Mm. So when Sylvie and Loki unraveled the sacred timeline, one timeline, we saw those branches going in all different directions, even connecting back on themselves. One timeline, in this case, bent backward on itself and allowed Kamala to travel back to that night in 1947. Mm. So we've seen incursions taking place between universes, like in Multiverse of Madness, between realms, like what Walid was worried, uh, warning about, and arguably what we saw in Shang-Chi. Uh, and then now we're seeing incursions between timelines. So that's like a one interpretation of what we saw. The third interpretation, third takeaway, is that the MCU may be declaring that when time travel occurs via human technology, like Stark Tech, Pym Tech, the lesser advanced technology of the MCU, uh, it causes branch timelines to form. And that's because it's like imperfect, still sloppy technology. But when time travel occurs via advanced technology, what we what we see as magic, like the technology of Nathaniel Richards from the 31st century, or these bangles, or the time stone, that that form of technology allows the time travel to be fixed and predestined on a closed loop, a cleaner version of time travel. So essentially, the more advanced the technology, the cleaner the time travel, less likely the branches form. Mm. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I don't know if uh, at any point on a show they're going to bother to go that far. Right. Um, but I do think the at least one or two uh, is a way one way that we can look at it. Uh, I guess the question I want to ask you about MT, if Loki pre uh, if Loki established all the events of the MCU as predestined up until that point, uh, and logic that will at least continue to be a precedent, considering we are getting a second season of Loki, are we meant to see the bangle opening the rift in time as an accident? Mm. Like just something that the bangle, a power that the bangle had that people didn't really know it could do? Or was this a destined stimulus of an incursion seen mm. from within that timeline? An example of how he remains planned for the sacred timeline to fraction and unravel, creating these overlaps and closed loops in order to get characters on the path that they are meant to be on. Yeah, I feel like all of this is because of He Who Remains. Like, And when I say all of this, I mean like Spider-Man No Way Home, this series, like all the weird shit that is happening in the MCU in terms of like time travel and timelines and wormholes opening up. 
it's all he who remains. And I think that like this type of time travel in the show probably wasn't possible before Loki. I think that after he who remains it up, sorry for swearing, um, like he completely just messed up like how time travel works completely so that Marvel Studios can do whatever they want with time travel as they see fit without having to adhere to the, the rules that they set in Endgame. So it's just like, hey, like we're, we're not gonna constrain all of our writers. Cause like, yeah, like it was a very interesting thing that we did in Endgame, but like time travel logic and fiction is just whatever. <laughs> so like, let's just introduce mm -hmm. the chaos by killing the, the man who was controlling time and uh, do a lot of weird shit. Um, so yeah, I think that um, it, it was because Loki was a huge deal and like the death of he remains um, definitely caused time travel to, to mess up. But in terms of like the, what you asked about the bangle, I think that this could actually be a function of the bangle. Like, uh, traveling through different timelines um because like we saw in um this is just a weird theory of mine but like we saw in uh, an early episode of miss marvel that um bruno mentions the sun was the key to time travel and the crack in um that opens up the, it, it, when uh, kamala comes back is has a, a golden tint like it's very much sunlight-esque um when it first opens up so i'm thinking like the the bangle itself which is gold i think that this gold is like the link to the sunlight and like when she hit it, it activated the the crack. It's like, all right, time to go sunlight mode. And um, you know, that that is the key to um to interdimensional travel, like Bruno sort of hinted at. But um, yeah, I think that once she gets that second bangle, she might have the power to like just travel through timelines just as a as a perk. That'd be really fun. Yeah, I think what we're seeing from the bangle, I th I think that's really on point, MT. It's a very interesting analysis of what you just said. And I think like the bangle is one example of objects and technology of immense power in the MCU. Right. And right. that just a consequence of that power is that when the border between realms, timelines, and universes is already eroding, that power can blast through that and cause an incursion. And in this case, I just think we're seeing an incursion of time. But incursions can also take place between space and can take mm -hmm. place between universes. Right. Uh, so between space would be like between realms. I think incursions affect every tier of reality uh, in the MCU. Now, one thing I just want to tell everyone watching this, and I'm gonna we're gonna have to talk about this a lot as we go forward in the MCU. Do not expect any clear, cohesive explanation and interpretation of how time travel works across these properties. Because if you read Marvel comics, I think you already have uh, accepted those low expectations. <laughs> Because this is exactly how the comics work. There are feuding logical explanations for how time travel works. And that's okay. We just have to live in that world. And I think uh, it is kind of like we are uh, legal experts sifting through hundreds of years of alternate explanations of what a law means. Uh, and uh, like there's various different legal rulings. Uh, and we're kind of saying, well, what is, is there any kind of precedent that we can establish like, what was the framers' original intention by the way these things were worded? And I think what we're able to at least begin to surmise here, if we're trying to read Kevin Feige's mind, and I think we can safely conclude, first off, that there is no dogmatic plan, uh, because otherwise, you know, there would be, uh, at least when it comes to time travel, because otherwise people would be closely sticking to the same words and repeating the same rules over and over again. And instead, I think Kevin Feige is giving each uh, screenwriter across Multiverse of Madness or Loki or Ms. Marvel a bit of a, a loose leash on how they want to word things. And then that's creating a bit of confusion. And I think that confusion is totally okay. 
Um, but I think the fact that both Avengers Endgame ended with Old Cap, the fact that Loki ended with He Who Remains saying that this is all part of a script, and now this show is showing a closed loop version of time travel, I think at least Kevin Feige and his team sees the MCU as part of a, a scripted predestination uh, mm. approach to time travel. That things have always things have happened the way they are because that's how they are. I think we're going to learn more about Kang. Uh, the reason why things exist in the MCU the way they are is because Kang has made them that way. I think that's what we can kind of expect going forward. I think that's the version of time travel that is more exciting to Kevin Feige and his team. But I think we have to accept that it does deny a certain amount of free will from his characters. And I think maybe that free will was never there. Like Kevin Feige, I think, views himself as a master clockmaker and that characters don't really chart their own destinies, uh, that it was all part of a plan. Um, now, that does, uh, you could argue, fly in the face of what we've seen with characters like Thor, right? They've been kind of on their own journey. And I think Kevin Feige has kind of been OK with changing course midstream with characters like Thor and letting them chart their own destinies. Uh, but I think he prefers to live in a reality where there is someone behind the strings who is kind of positioning pieces in place. Uh, but trust us. But trust us. <laughs> they're going to get to where they need to go. Yes. I think that's where we're at. I, I mean, I do trust Kevin Feige because Kevin Feige has done a really great job so far with, like, steering the MCU. And, like, even though, like, I, it is hard to see, like, a, like the, the time travel logic so far with uh, the MCU. But I feel like at the end of the day, there is some type of mysterious plan that we are not privy to there um but like we're, we're seeing this time travel from different perspectives and so like because we're seeing um like the, the um all this weird shit happening from like you know first from um for, from loki's perspective and now we're going from to miss marvel's perspective i just feel like the names and different like terminologies for stuff are going to be different because we're looking at things from different perspectives so um yeah i feel like um, it, it might seem like there might not be a plan, but like maybe this is intentional by Kevin Feige to throw, up off the, throw us off the scent because we're too damn good at our jobs, Eric. He's just like, all right, let's just like, use uh, synonyms and uh, just trick Eric and MT up. Uh, so, so it makes it look yeah. like we don't have a plan. I would love if like he cared that much. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's the case. I genuinely think he, uh, he wants to put some of the creative control in the hands of these uh, directors and, and showrunners. Uh, and I think like... He's paying a price for it. A lot of the reviews for Phase 4 titles, like even like Thor Love and Thunder has like, what, a 75%? I think um, like the fact that Multiverse of Madness was not as universally beloved, like other than No Way Home, I don't think we've had like a Phase 4 title to where everyone just got on the same page and said, yes! Like, I mean, some of the Disney Plus titles, maybe Loki and WandaVision, I think everyone for the most part was cool with, but like, I don't know. I just also remember hearing a lot of like, backlash against WandaVision, some backlash against Loki. But I think that's ultimately all for the best um, because it's yeah. also given us an opportunity to see some really bold uh, production design and, and storytelling. Like phase four, even though it's not like universally beloved, it's like uh, we're seeing some fascinating imagery in this phase that we, whereas phase three, I would argue a lot of those movies looked a lot like each other. Like if you, didn't know the characters uh, Age of Ultron and Winter Soldier and Civil War all kind of look like the same movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, like, I feel like, you know, towards, like, the as we approach Endgame and Infinity War, like, a lot of people were demanding that Marvel do something different because, like, all of their stuff 
sort of felt like very similar in in terms of tone and, and all that so like phase four what i really appreciate is that like they're giving us the different like we we've gotten so many different types of things in phase four them it's like wow like this feels like a fully fleshed out like mcu where like we're just seeing different tones and different types of people that i'm just like yeah like this is like marvel studios sort of sort of getting their footing on trying new things so like now that we've had like phase four kick off i feel like as things start to progress things might get better because kevin feige as we know from the past like 10 or over 10 years of marvel he learns from his mistakes and like he learns from from experience so like this is his experience and like the things that we're going to get in the future um are going to be better in response to what people have been saying on these reviews and stuff so like kevin feige mm-hmm. listens for sure yeah um he's always listening right he's like he's right got now. microphones everywhere <laughs> he's here <laughs> All right, we have a couple more questions we want to ask about this episode. But first, we want to thank Raycon for sponsoring this episode. If you're listening to Inside Marvel right now as a podcast, are you listening with Raycon earbuds? Because uh, when I'm out and about in the world, that's how I consume my daily podcast diet. Raycon's everyday earbuds look and feel and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, their earbuds are super comfortable and they fit better than some antique bangles that your grandmother sent you in the mail. Uh, Raycons offer three sound profiles to match what you're listening to, plus noise isolation and awareness mode so that you can choose to be immersed in sound or be able to hear your surroundings when you need to. I really like them around the house, like when I'm making dinner or doing chores. They're just super secure. They sound great. Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. You can even do wireless charging with Raycons, so you can get the same quality audio as other premium audio brands, but at half the price. It's no wonder Raycons Everyday Earbuds have over 49,000 five-star reviews. Check out Raycon's wireless earbuds. My guess is that you're going to want to leave them a five-star review too. Go to buyraycon.com slash marvel today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash marvel to score 15% off. That's buyraycon.com slash marvel. All right, empty. Back to Ms. Marvel. Let's talk about this moment that Najma transfers her powers into Kamran. What exactly were we looking at in that moment? How did she do that? And uh, what exactly did she do? I, I actually spent like an hour last night re-watching that moment like a zillion times. Um, and I, I came to the conclusion that the first person that went through the portal, it, I think it worked. I think that she actually got back to her dimension. And that her oh. dimension, as we saw in the previous episode, is looks dramatically different from, from um, 616. Like, I feel like everybody in that dimension is pure energy. Oh, so when this woman went through the portal, her energy went through the portal, thus making the uh, the portal bigger and worse. So but like Najma, it was like, all right, now it's my turn because like my friend went through the portal and she's fine. And like and since like her our universe is much different, we don't have flesh and bones. So like we're going to drop this off on the ground here because like we don't need this in our universe. And so like it's my turn now, which is why Najma said that she can make it. Because, like, that was the whole plan. It's like, hey, I don't care about what happens in reality. I can make it because I am an energy being. However, since Kamala said, don't leave Kamran behind, she was like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to close this portal by having my body be destroyed and becoming uh, my my uh, original Nor energy self. But instead of going through the portal, I'm going to go into my son. And so, basically, Kamran has the power of her mother who is with her. Like, her mother, his mother never left. It's like, she's, this is basically her trying to atone for leaving Cameron behind by being the source of his power, um, which is what I think is going on here. That's such an interesting theory, MT. You get a golden <laughs> sparkle bug. <laughs> Robux, all right. You did it. They were just here. I was waiting to hear the right, the right theory. You did it. Um, 
The only the only uh, difference I I think might have happened was rather than them being made of uh, pure energy in the Nord dimension, all we saw was just their bones. So maybe like all their flesh, like their skin and their muscle tissue is just like jelly, just kind of sloshing around. <laughs> like we don't need bones. The skin blown. <laughs> <laughs> back home, kids. Oh my god, kids. that would be so suspicious. <laughs> Where was that dimension in Multiverse of Madness? <laughs> yeah, um, it's a paint dimension. I can remember. Yeah, I, I hope that like the the big chunky form that they took, like <laughs> the, the the key master and the gatekeeper from Ghostbusters. I hope that that was like a. Uh, I would love if that's a Terra Genesis cocoon. I just mm. think that would be a weird time for the cocoon to show up. <laughs> like it just seemed like something that encased their body and then like killed them. Yeah, I wonder if like the reason why that happened is that could have been like a security measure that the other clandestines in the Nord dimension were like, you if you ever try to return. This is like their security measure Ooh. to keep people out who they don't want back in. That's like, a really good idea. Because like they were prisoners or exiles rather. Or we could just be seeing like the like an Indiana Jones style, like this is the consequence. And like oh maybe originally like their bodies were supposed to get like torn to pieces and all that was left <laughs> as a skeleton. And they're like, this is a little too dark. So let's like kind of put a What's it called? A, a vanity cover over the, over their body as it's <laughs> torn to pieces, and then we'll just see a skeleton on the other side. Something like that, I think. But I love your theory. I, I um like just to be clear, Cameron in the powers isn't inhuman the way Kamala is. He gets hit with the Terrigen mist. I don't think we're seeing mist necessarily. I think this show just basically swapped out Terrigen mist for Nor light and kind of invented this new mechanic, and then so. Like the way that Kamala has the Nor light that was activated by the bangle. In this case, it was activated by, I guess, his mother's dying wish uh, to transfer her powers over to him. I think it is a little fuzzy, to be honest. I think if we were to ask the, at some point, the producers, the directors are going to like have their answer. And it's probably not going to be satisfying. I think they're going to be like, writing is hard. <laughs> but like, yo, what if like what if the, there's a possibility here that like the Cree themselves discovered these bangles as we saw like uh, the, the bangle on a blue arm in a previous episode? What if they discovered these bangles and were like, yo, what is this weird um, stuff coming out of this crack in the universe? Let's take that and, and do science on it and make Terrigen mist out of it because like we don't really know what this is. So it's like let's experiment on this um, and like that's maybe where we're looking at the very source of the Terrigen mist science with these cracks. Yeah, I mean, that'd be cool, especially like uh, since we know there is an intersection between astrophysics and like cosmic technology and the like exploration of alternate dimensions just based off of Eric Selvig's research that Bruno did. Eric Selvig, you know, reads things, uh, researches things like Einstein-Rosen bridges and the way the cosmos connects. In his underwear. He's also firmly aware from like the convergence into alternate dimensions and alternate realms. So I think that uh, there could be an intersection there. Like the Kree are aware of like alternate realms, alternate dimensions, and they've been trying to tap into it as well. And that could be something uh, why they created the Bengal to begin with. Mm. Yeah, that could be the case. I like the theory here. You get another, you get another spark. Oh, thanks. You did it. <laughs> nice. We have a little bit of time here. We have one mm. more episode left. How do you think this is all going to end, MT? What do you think? Uh, what are your hot takes for the final episode? Hmm. I feel like at the end of this episode, like we're going to see Kamala fight with Cameron for some reason, um, and they're going to come to blows. And I think that Kamala is going to, when she gets that second bracelet, 
um, in this sixth episode, hopefully, um, she's going to have a similar type of energy to Cameron. And I think that the symbolic messaging behind the bracelets is that um, the, uh, the, her first bangle is her, her is Aisha, and her second bangle will represent uh, Najma. And like the two bangles together will like form like a reconciliation symbolism between the two oh, uh, cool. the two women. And so um, I think that when she's going to get that second bangle, and it's going to probably glow somewhat similarly to um, to Cameron. But that's just my weird theory. What do you, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, it seems like the by the way episode five ended, it looks like they're just setting up a battle with the DODC. I, I honestly think Kamala and Cameron are going to team up against uh, was it a uh, uh, Deaver? From the DODC, <laughs> the true villain. Yeah, I, which is kind of <laughs> lame, but I think that is the case, right? Like mm. she's the last villain that we know of, unless we re- unless it's revealed that someone else is behind the DODC or that DODC agent is. There's more to her. Like she could be part of the Kree sleeper cell or something like that. I think that'd be my preference if this does mm. link up with like the Kree coming to Earth, as opposed to just like a government agency. Because right. in some ways, that I feels like that. a de-escalation from the from the clandestine. So, um, but I think that's how it's going to go. I think this is going to set up both the Marvels and She-Hulk. Uh, I think the Marvels, I think we'll, we'll get some answer about where the bangle came from. Hopefully they'll, they'll establish that it's Kree tech. I don't think we're going to explore further into the Nor dimension personally. I, I think this show has answered all the questions it's going to answer. The fact that the gate closed and that the clandestine are now all dead. I just don't think they're going to explore further into that. I think now our answers are going to come from the, like where the bangle came from. The fact that it was Kree tech, what Kree forces might be on Earth now, how that's going to set up um, She-Hulk and Secret Invasion in the Marvels. Mm. I think those are going to be the answers. And I think, yeah, I think I'd be surprised if we didn't get a cameo from Brie Larson or, or yeah. Tony Paris. Or just someone from S.W.O.R.D., you know, recruiting her. I think, yeah, I, I, I think we're we're overdue some kind of cameo there to explain that. And I would love it if we also saw a cameo from like uh, Shang-Chi or Wong, yes. like some kind of explanation of what the rings pulsing were all about. Like, I think this would be a great opportunity to answer that question by just saying, oh, it's it's a, a Kree uh, fleet headed to Earth to reclaim their tech and to kill all the scrolls that are here. Yeah. I, I, I want to see the 10 rings appear at some point in episode six because they teased them earlier on. So like, they, we've got to see some 10 rings action. Yeah, I think they could follow up on that for sure. Thank you all for joining us for this episode of uh, of Ms. Marvel After Show Inside Marvel here at New Rockstars. We'll leave it there, but we'll be back next week. Again, my Easter egg breakdown is coming out tomorrow. Not a lot of Easter eggs this episode, but there were some interesting like visual choices and, and song choices that I want to dig into. So I'm excited to break it down. Uh, don't forget to check out our great merch options at newrockstarsmerch.com. Follow me at EA Boss. Follow MT at Mastertainment. Subscribe to Inside Marvel wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for watching. And MT, I just want to say again, I would do Inside MT with you every day of the week. I love, <laughs> I love being able to connect with you. And the only downside of doing these shows is that we we have to talk about some of the Marvel shows. Just talking to you about anything is such a highlight of my week. It's it's such a, a blessing to be able to connect with you. Well, thank you for joining me for Inside MT, my friend. I know, but no, Absolutely. Legit, like I love doing Inside Marvel with you every week. You're the best. And uh, I can't wait to do this with you next week, man. I'll see you next week, MT. Love you, brother. See ya. Bye. All right, bye.